0: Bishop Quigg did ask me to share a, a homily, a, a sermon with you, but he actually said a homily. I've never preached in front of a bishop. He, he had a funeral this week, lots going on, and uh, the only stipulation he gave me is to be short, and so I'm going to try to... But meaty. But... Did you say that? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's implied. Okay. Um, so our church, uh, the Anglican Church and, and many other churches do something called Confirmation as a way of doing discipleship within our churches, of helping people grow into the image of Jesus. Um, so I, I want to talk with you about that for a few minutes this morning. Confirmation, as Bishop Steve said one time when he was, was with us, it's not a word that you'll find in the Bible. And so if you go searching for it, you're, you're not going to find it. But all the parts of confirmation and what's going to happen this morning when Bishop Quigg does confirmation is all about Scripture. And so, it's helping us do things that are integral to what it means to be a Christian, as it is shared with us in Scripture. And so, that's what I want to talk with you about this morning, is what is Scripture saying about what it means to, fo- to be a follower of Jesus. There are two sides think, to confirmation. Um, one is that you are, the person who is confirmed is confirming their own faith in Christ. They are standing up and they are publicly declaring that they desire to follow Jesus with their entire life. And that is part of what it means to be a Christian. It's integral. If you want to follow Jesus, there, there have to be moments in your life where you publicly declare, I'm a Christian and I want my life to, to be conformed to the image of Jesus. The the other side of confirmation is something that you're receiving. The people who are confirmed are receiving. Is you are being confirmed. You, it, you are receiving the promises of God that you're his child, you're being reminded of this. And there and I'm going to talk about the idea of the laying on of the bishop's hands. Um, this may seem weird to many of us who have come to different, from different traditions, but this is integral to Scripture that we are people who are dependent on the prayers of others and on the faith of others. And so as Bishop Quig, Quig lays his hand on Scott and Matt and Laura who are being confirmed, they, if, as they open their lives to this work, ongoing work of the Holy Spirit, they're receiving in a deeper way the promises of God, the assurances of God, and Bishop Quig is going to pray that the Holy Spirit continues to fill them in more and more ways to serve him in the world. So there's an active part. They are confirming their faith in Jesus, but then there's this other part in which they're on the receiving end. They're receiving the promises of God and being reminded of the promises of God. So I'm going to talk about this out of the book of Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 6. This is what Alec read for us a few minutes ago. The first side of confirmation is that you're confirming your faith in Christ, and what this means is that you are committed to growing in faith in an ongoing way. CJ said this a couple of weeks ago, you may have noticed, that there's no such thing in the Scripture as someone who becomes a Christian and then just kind of exists. Scripture conveys faith in Jesus as an ongoing work of God in your life, an ongoing work in your life of Him changing you, transforming you. And so this is the first part. You're confirming your faith in Christ, and you're committed to growing in Him. So, Paul says in, in verse 6, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. It's amazing to me, this word walk. I mean, it's the most normal word in the world, isn't it? It's the most normal thing that we do as, is walk, Lord willing, right? We're able to walk And Paul is saying that faith in Jesus should become so normal to you, a relationship with Jesus should become so everyday to you that it should be as normal as walking, that it should be reflexive that you walk in relationship with him in the midst of all the comings and goings of your life. You are walking in relationship with Jesus. And so a a big question that we always need to be asking ourselves is, is our life with God anything like that? Are we oriented toward Him in such a comprehensive and consuming way that our reflexes are toward God in the hardest moments of our lives or even in the simplest and most everyday moments of our lives? Are we thinking about God and His concern for us? and His love for us? Are you moving in the direction in which all your waking moments are toward God? Your work, your play, whatever it may be, do you consider God as part of those things? Because God cares about them. And so, Paul is telling the people in this letter as, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord in this moment, you received Him, you need to learn to walk with Him and walk in Him. And then he says that you're to be rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith. And so he uses all He's mixing metaphors a lot, but we're to be rooted in Christ like a tree is rooted in the earth. Our entire life is to be rooted in the person of Jesus and then we're to be built up in him like a building. Like a building, Structurally, we are supported in our lives by Jesus. He is the key and comprehensive element of our lives. And then he says that you're to do this just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. And the idea here is that your life is overflowing with thanksgiving like a cup that's been filled too full. Because you're rooted in Jesus, you are more and more becoming a person whose life overflows with gratitude and thanksgiving, declaring thanksgiving to God for his goodness to you. Even in the midst of all the challenges of life, you see God's kindness and his love towards you. So this is what the people who come to be confirmed, that they're confirming their faith in Jesus, that they're committed to continuing to grow in Him in this way. So again, confirmation, not a word that's found in Scripture, but all these things are are, part, are integral to what it means to be a Christian. And so as they come up here, they are recommitting their lives in a fresh way to continue to grow in Jesus. Now, I do want to reflect for just a minute before we move on on this element of... uh, It's in verse 6. It says, or or verse 7, that we're rooted and built up in Jesus, established in the faith, just as you were taught. Just as you were taught. And so, the reality is that all of us who become Christians, we don't become Christians completely on our own. We become Christians through the faith that's been passed down through generations, through the faith of Scripture and the church. It's been passed down to us. And in a reality of what it means to be rooted in Christ and to be committed to growing in faith in Him is that you have to resist other patterns of thinking and other traditions of thought that are opposed to Jesus. So look at what Paul says next. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Christianity is not opposed to tradition. It's opposed to human tradition. Traditions that are not rooted in the revelation of God through Jesus, So Paul is telling them, he's warning them, look, there are going to be lots of people who come in and try to teach you things that are new and might sound fresh, but they're not based in Jesus and in the revelation of God that has been given through Jesus. Part of being a Christian, much of being a Christian, is being committed to Jesus and resisting things that would take you away from Him. Notice how he describes these other patterns of thinking. These other patterns of thinking are focused on human reason, so you, humans can believe that they're smarter than God. And they're not on, based on this revelation that has come outside of our reason, from heaven rather than from earth. And these patterns of thinking, Paul says, they're actually like a prison even though they may seem fresh on the outside, what they will do is they'll handcuff you. And instead of setting you free to live more fully, like much of the patterns of thinking in our culture say, that they'll set you free, instead of doing that, they actually imprison you. They diminish you. They make you less of a human being. But following Jesus, Paul is going to say, will set you free to live as a true human being. So this confirming of one's faith is committing that we are, will, we are committing our lives to continue to grow deeper into Jesus, who is the source of all wisdom and all authority in the world. And in doing that, we are going to resist patterns of thought that are inconsistent with the person of Jesus, who is filled with the fullness of God. So this is what the people who are confirmed are committing to today. Jesus, they're committing to Him. And I I love verse 9. In Him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In Jesus, the whole fullness of God was existent, was present. And then Paul goes on to say, You have been filled in Him. So if you believe in Jesus... You receive the fullness of His Holy Spirit, and God comes to live and dwell within you to conform you more and more into the person of Jesus, to make you into a true human being as God made you to be. So this is the active part of what's happening in confirmation. You're confirming your faith in Christ. But then the other side of this is that they are being confirmed. So Paul says that the Christians that he's writing to were circumcised with a circumcision that was made without hands by putting off the body of flesh by the circumcision of Christ, that they were buried with Him in baptism in which they were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. Look, even if you were an adult when you were baptized the reality is that the primary actor in your baptism is not you. The, re- the primary actor in your baptism is God. Your faith is not rooted simply in a decision that you have made, though maybe you have decided to follow Jesus. Your faith ultimately is rooted in what God was willing to do for you. God put, allowed His Son to die and to bear your sin And then he raised him from death to conquer your sin and to set you free. So in your baptism, God is enacting this work of his spirit. He is burying you with his son Jesus so that your past life of sin can be done with. And he's raising you with his son Jesus so that you can live in the fullness of his life. So when Quig prays over them, he's reminding them of what God has promised to do in them. Look, you, you were dead in sin. Look, the reality of life in this world is that your sins really do destroy you. And they build up a debt that looms over you. A power that, that crushes you. But God, in, his, in, in sending His Son to die, is saying, I want to set you free. I want to make you free. And so Quig in praying for them is reminding them of this work of God, of who they are, that they are raised with Jesus through His death and resurrection. And they are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life free from sin and slavery. They are being confirmed in this assurance, in these promises of God. Now, I want to talk with you for just a minute about this laying on of hands at business Sounds kind of weird to some people. Is this just some strange thing that Christians made up? They've always got to be touching people. Why is that? We stopped this during COVID. Should we continue stopping this? So, in the Old Testament there are three ways in which it talks about hands being laid on people. One is when they lay hands on somebody to hurt someone. Okay? That's one way in which they lay hands on people. That's not what Quig is doing this morning. This, the the, um, the second way that they lay hands on someone, let me make sure I can remember this. It's not coordination. Man, I, I'm sorry. It's a phone a <laughs> yeah, I'll have to tell you that one later. The third way is when they lay hands on someone and, and it's symbolic of the spirit of this person being passed on to them to, to perform a special role. So as this moves into the New Testament, Jesus, he's laying hands on people to heal them. He lays hands on lepers so that he can bring his own cleansing power into their life and restore them and make them whole. He he, he puts his hands on blind people and it restores their sight. He, He lays hands on his apostles though and he sends them out and fills them with his Holy Spirit his own spirit. And so as we move into the New Testament, the apostles are laying hands on people to, to pray that the power of God would move into their life. And Bishop Quig, what what Anglicans believe about bishops is they represent the apostles and the work of God that continues into the world through the power of the Spirit going back to the apostles. Now, If Bishop Quigg or any other bishop started teaching something other than what the apostles taught, we would say, no, we're not going to listen to that. Even bishops don't receive authority to do whatever they want. Their authority is based in the tradition of the apostles and in the passing on of God's work through them. And so Bishop Quigg is going to lay his hands on them, and this is symbolic of the work of the Holy Spirit, of what God has promised to do through his servants, That we would um, pass on the work of God to others and send them out to continue to do His work in the world. And so uh, these confirmands, as we call them, they are confirming their faith. They're standing up and saying, I believe in Jesus and I'm committed to following Him and growing in Him. But they're also being confirmed and receiving the promises of, of God and the assurances that God is committed to working through them and their callings in the world. So, thank you, Bishop Quig. I'm going to invite Bishop Quig is going to come up and talk to us, encourage us, and then he's going to lead us in the confirmations.